The parable that we have today comes to us from Matthew chapter 20. Jesus says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, You go in the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? And they said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired came first, now when those hired came first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I chose to give this worker, the last worker, the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first last. Today I want to talk about how life is not fair, but God is just. It's important to define a couple of words, I think, right off the bat. Fairness is showing no bias to to some people or individuals. We want fair treatment in situations that that we believe we're, we're all equals and deserve impartiality. It also strikes me that fair is a, a human construct. We only deal with issues of fairness when we get into comparing ourselves with others. Fair is a lot like equal. It's fair that we all have the same rights. It's not fair that some people have access to greater wealth and power. And then we have this justice, just. This word just means right. Justice is what happens when people get what they're owed. Life is not fair and it does not give equal opportunities to all, but justice demands that the government treat all its citizens as equals. Now, here in this parable, we have this, the master of the house who has this vineyard and different people have worked different hours and different lengths of time. And he chooses, out of his grace to pay everybody the exact same amount. A denarius was worth one day's pay. Everybody gets the same. The master of the house, this is supposed to be the father. The vineyard is the kingdom in the here and now. The laborers are the disciples, the people who have come into the kingdom of God by following Jesus. The vineyard is the kingdom. It's the purpose of the master of the house to to hire workers And those workers, it's important to remember that the kingdom isn't just a place to kick back and relax, to enjoy. It's a place to come and serve and work. Work for the world to be put right. And at the beginning of the story, the workers who come at the very beginning of the day, they agree with the master for a full denarius as their payment for the day. Before they saw how generous the master of the house was with those who were working the least amount, 
they were okay with that amount. It was suitable for them. But the master of the house sees that more work needs to be done, and he finds people who need work. And he doesn't specifically say how much he'll pay to anybody else except for the people at the beginning who he promised to Denarius. To everybody else, he just promised to do what was right, what was just. Whatever is right. And it strikes me that the master of the house probably has a different concept of what is right than what is fair. Sometimes it's easy to confuse the two, that we think what's right is fair. That's not necessarily the case. What's right is just. What we have coming to us. Not equally, but what we have coming to us. And when evening came, the wonder of uh, the, the, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last, the people who showed up last, the 11th hour workers, pay them first. I want everybody else to see what they get paid. It kind of feels backwards, right? Why make those hired first? Wait until those had been hired last. The purpose here is that the master of the house wants the people who came first to see his generosity, right? And, and those who are, who are waiting in line, who had been there longer in the day or all of the day, they see that the first people get a denarius, the amount they were promised. And then they start to think to themselves, wow, if that's what, if that's what you get for just working one hour, how much more am I going to get when I get up there? Right? And, then, and then imagine their, their disappointment when they get there and all they receive is everything that they were promised, a denarius. It's interesting, if, if, if the master of the house would have reversed this and let those who are working all day come and get their pay first, they would have received a denarius. Everything that they were longing for, hoping for, believing they would receive, they would have been paid in full and then they'd go on their way happy ever after and not a care in the world that everybody after them received the exact same amount. But instead, Jesus teaches that the last will be first. And so those first get to see firsthand the great generosity of the master of the house. And it wasn't that the master of the house wanted the people who were working first to be jealous, but to celebrate the joy of his generosity. He was inviting them to take part in that joy of seeing his incredible lavish grace. Unfortunately, they were too stuck in comparing their work the workers who went, for, who went last. Everybody's paid equally, and grumbling really starts to grow. This is not fair. Grumbling makes me remember the, the Israelites wandering around in the wilderness, that, that this isn't fair. You brought us out of slavery where we had plenty of food and shelter to a place where we have nothing. Just grumbling because God never quite lived up to their expectations of him, of what he should be doing in their lives. Throughout the history of the church, those who have, have been in it the longest are tempted to be, be possessive and maybe even jealous of those Johnny-come-latelys to the faith. But Jesus replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Now, when he says friend, this word in Greek is more like it's, it's a word that you give to somebody when you're trying to be nice, but you're really upset. He's like, buddy. Dude, 
I agreed, you agreed, we agreed on one denarius. How have I wronged you? Right, they've already agreed on their pay and only when they were comparing the, the pay did they have a problem. And see, at the heart of this is this concept that we need to shift from life being fair to life being just. That life is not fair, but God is just. Right? Righteousness, rightness, justness only happens by grace. Like we are made right with God. We are made just with God. We are justified by God's grace. Not by how long we've worked, not because of how hard we've worked, not because of what a great job we've done. But Jesus declares us right with God. He justifies us. More on that in just a little bit. Listen to the heart of the master of the house. He says, who are you to tell me what I'm supposed to do with my money? All I did was have a really fun idea. I decided to put the last first and the first last to show you that there are no insiders or outsiders in my kingdom. When I'm happy, everyone's happy, no matter what they did or didn't do. I'm not asking you to like it. I'm inviting you to enjoy it. If you want to mope, that's your business. You know, life is unfair. Generally speaking, this, this life is so unfair that we're brought into it without our consent and we're removed from it without our consent. Life is unfair. You know, it, it reminds me of Job's grumbling in the Old Testament. When, when everything is taken away from him except for his own life and his, his, his complaining wife, he demands before God, God, I did nothing to deserve this. Why is this happening to me? Let's, let's, you and I have a conversation, God, so that you can see that what has just gone on is not fair. It's not even just. I don't deserve this. I can remember thinking of the unfairness of life when my mom battled and died from cancer. I think of the unfairness of life when my wife and I were trying so hard to conceive and looking around and seeing babies born in horrible circumstances, thinking life is unfair. Now in all of those circumstances that I've looked back in my life and seen where it was unfair, I, I, can, I can see and know that God was definitely at work and he was working things to our good in amazing and powerful ways. But in that moment, I just felt like shaking my fist and saying, God, this is not fair. Sometimes it's the same with God's grace doesn't seem fair. You know, this reward of eternal life, all of us get the same amount. Like Moses, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Peter, Paul, John, you and me, we all receive the same amount of grace. Whether you are, you are baptized as a little baby or you came to faith later in life or on your deathbed, we all receive the same amount of grace, the same amount of life, the same amount of forgiveness, the same amount. I wonder if we ever begrudge God's great generosity, like those workers who are working in the field all day long. Right, it's easy for us to judge and be angry with people maybe, people who haven't come back to, in person to worship, 
people who have different views on social issues in our world today, those who belong to a different political party, those who aren't content to, to, to work but live off of the government. Now, this reminds me of the parable of the, of the forgiving father, the prodigal son, the older son resenting his father's grace that he poured out onto the younger son, perhaps even jealous that his younger brother got to enjoy life before coming back and then receiving everything all over again. The fact that these Johnny-come-latelys to the faith are equally loved by God is something that can be irritating. You know, I, I'm actually okay with God granting grace to the 11th hour people. I would personally just like a little bit of extra. Like, could you just not acknowledge that I've been here my whole life? Right? But that's not, that's not how this works. That God distributes his grace equally and abundantly across all of us. It's important to see that this master of the house has a shocking amount of grace. His actions are, are stunningly unexpected, but they're only hard to swallow if you pull your eyes away from the master of the house and look instead to the comparisons of what others have received. As the first group stands in line and waits their turn, their gaze falters from the master to compare themselves with the meaningful work that they've done and what they now believe they deserve. They stop looking at the master and only look at their fellow workers, and that's when they get into trouble. Everyone's treated the same. All receive identical pay, no matter how long they've worked in the vineyard. And this is not generosity as it's normally understood, nor does it seem fair. Instead, after exceeding all expectations for the other laborers, he merely keeps his promise to those who have toiled all day. Now, there's a message of profound grace here, expressed in the master's words. This exposes his heart. But I wish to give to this last man as also to you. That's his desire, is to be generous with his grace. It may be, in fact, the case that this parable illustrates the difference between mere generosity and genuine grace. Grace, by its very nature, gives without regard to any merit or worthiness in the one who receives it. God gives us his grace even though we don't deserve it. The wages are awarded to the workers, but the amount of the wage has nothing to do with the effort expended for the time spent and in all the vineyard getting the exact same. The grace in the world today, the kingdom of God now, God is very just with how he deals with us. That phrase, whatever is right, that he says to everybody else except for the first workers, I will pay you whatever is right. It strikes me that the master of the house has a very different view of what right is. He sees right as an equally right relationship in the kingdom of heaven. Right equals just. See, we want justice when something happens to us, right? When someone hurts us, we want justice. We want the other person to pay. But God wants all even those who have hurt and wronged us, to be made just. The hours that Jesus talks about is kind of unique. He talks about the third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour, and the eleventh hour. 
I don't know if, if he was intending to, to portray what's going to happen on the cross, but those are the exact same hours that are listed in the crucifixion scene. Right? Jesus on the third hour is lifted up to the cross. The hours between six and nine, the world is in complete darkness. At the ninth hour, Jesus cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And there's even a, a call out, a last minute worker called into the vineyard at the 11th hour when the thief on the cross declares his faith in Jesus. And Jesus responds to him, today you will be with me in paradise. See, that whole scene of the cross, it's why Jesus has the ability to look at us and declare us just, to declare us right with God, because he's paid that wage. See, the wages of sin, what we accumulate in our life, the wages of sin is death. And that wage was paid in full on the cross. Jesus paid that wage with his, not gold or silver, but with his body and blood. That he would give to us this gift of everlasting life. Not that we deserved it, not that we could earn it, not that we've worked so hard for it. But purely out of his divine grace, he pours it out in abundance. I want anybody to know today, if you're struggling with guilt or shame or you're holding on to something, God's invitation to you is to let it go, to confess it to him, not so that he can beat you up over it or tell you, I told you so, but so that he can tell you, I love you. I know what you've done. I know how you feel. I choose to be incredible generous today. So generous with my grace, I'm going to pour out all that you need and more. That all you have to do is just receive it. Don't shelter yourself, yourself from it. Just let it flow and wash over you. I'm going to pay you what is just, what is right. And because you've been justified by the blood of Jesus Christ, you have been made just. You have been made right. And as somebody who has been made right, I will give you what you deserve. My kingdom now. You can enjoy the kingdom of God in the here and now. I want to give you some, some practical ways to keep you focused on the master of the house, to keep you focused on God, to keep you from comparing your life to the lives of those around you. Paul gives us amazing, amazing statement. And he says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Paul says, rejoice. Let's not be happy. Happy is based on circumstances. Joy is based on the salvation and the gift of grace that we have, that nothing can take that away. Rejoice always. Right, we're also taught that we rejoice in our suffering because suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character produces hope which never disappoints. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Have that constant conversation between you and the Father. Not that you have to fold your hands and close your eyes all day long, but that every moment you just you communicate with God. 
that you listen for what he says. Follow him. Give every prayer to him, the good things that you experience, the bad things that you experience, the things you need, the things that those around you need. Be in constant prayer that keeps your gaze locked onto him. And give thanks in all circumstances. You know, you see what you're looking for. If you want to look around in this life and point out everything that is unfair, you will have a full-time job and then some. But I guarantee you, if you start making your practice to look around expecting to see blessings from God, you will see them. Look for the blessings. And as you see them and recognize them, give him thanks. They're not by the work of your hands, but by the work of Jesus Christ. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Keep your gaze locked on the master of the house and know that his grace is generous, is lavish, is abundant in your life. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, it's so easy to compare our lives to those around us. Instead, refocus us on you, on the incredible right gift of grace that you pour out in abundance into our lives. Fill our lives with rejoicing. Call us to pray with you regularly and continually and give us grateful hearts to see and recognize the abundance of your love in this world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.